Hey babe, you're listening to episode 91 of the Beam Life podcast. Oh my gosh, we're getting so close to episode 100. I am back today with an interview and it's a really fun conversation because not only are we talking about diamonds and who doesn't love some bling bling, but we're also talking about something that I think isn't often talked about enough in the women's space, which is being unapologetic when talking about our confidence and our strengths and what we're good at. And, you know, I think we are taught to be uh, shy and keep it under wraps sometimes, but you know what? There is no shame in shouting from the rooftops about your gifts and how you want to help people. And that is just what our guest, Kat McCoy, who is the owner of Best Cast Jewelry Concierge, is doing on the show today. Kat makes it a mission to help buyers find the perfect piece of fine jewelry, whether they're getting married, making a career move, expecting a new baby, or just because a girl wants to buy herself something, you know, um, she truly has a gift for gifting and she uses that to help the recipients feel special and like they have just gotten something that they will never ever find anywhere else and will truly remember that moment in time. I love this conversation so, so much. We took a lot of unexpected turns and it really wove together in this big inspiring story about not only tips for buying jewelry, but also leaning into yourself, trusting yourself and, um, how you know not to feel guilty about choosing your passions and dreams um whether you're a mom or you have lots of demands on you sometimes we can you know put those things off and it is time babe that you listen to what the universe is telling you and to lean in and to go for it so i hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as i did let's get this party started Hey, Beam Babe, welcome to the Beam Life Podcast, where we are all about honoring your truth, prioritizing your passions, and unlocking your potential. Let's go. I'm your host, Caitlin, and it's my calling in life to create this community of like-minded, kick-ass women ready to make moves and live a life they are obsessed with. So if you're ready to be everything and more, babe, let's get this party started. Hey, Kat. How's it going, girl? Welcome to the Beam Life Podcast. Thank you for having me. I was so excited about this. Me too. Me too. I really enjoyed our pre-podcast connection call and interview. And I'm like, this is going to be something really fun and different for the Beam Life listeners because not only are we going to educate them about jewelry, but your story in itself is you know, inspiring. And I always love hearing how women have made the decision to leave what everyone considers safe and normal into entrepreneurship. And yeah, we're going to dive into all that. So before we get, you know, too deep into it, I'd love for you to share, you know, a snapshot about who you are and kind of what you have going on right now. Absolutely. So my name's Kat McCoy. I'm the owner of Best Cap Jewelry Concierge, and I help people 
make and buy the perfect piece of jewelry for milestone occasions like engagements, um, anniversaries, birthdays, uh, the birth of a new baby. Um, I started the business back in early 2018. Um, I do not come uh, from the jewelry industry. Um, I used, uh, you know, prior to starting Best Kept, I was actually a management consultant for a number of years. Um, but I can't tell you how much I love working for myself and also working with private clients and um, sort of giving people the courage to kind of take that leap and actually invest in a great piece of jewelry ideally without uh, stress or compromise. Yes, I love that. And by the way, um, listeners, you need to check out Best Kept on Instagram. Gorgeous stuff. I mean, who doesn't love uh, diamonds, right? Um, but you have some really unique pieces on there. And um, I, I just, I love what you're doing. I think it's so special. And I had never really heard of a private jewelry concierge before. And I'm just like, this sounds, you know, at first I was like, wow, this is like really luxury. Like, is this for super just rich people? And um, no, you told me that you really work with people on their budget and like what they're looking for. And I thought that was amazing that it's accessible to to everyone. Absolutely. I like to work across a really sort of wide array of budgets. Um, and I think the common theme is you're either investing in something really special for yourself or for a loved one. So you're probably not going to come to me for the most delicate everyday necklace, um, but you might come to me for something a little bit more considered um, where you're, you are looking for either someone who has access to a certain piece or someone who's going to have a point of view. Um, one of my specialties is curating recommendations for gifts. So I have spent the last five years absolutely obsessed with people's personal style when it comes to jewelry. Um, I think it can be really difficult to capture sometimes for people. So trying to find um, selections that she's not only going to love, but that also feel personal um, has become a big part of the business um, and is something I'm just really passionate about. I love that. And your passion definitely shines through. Um, I would love to know a little bit more because, you know, you mentioned that you came from the corporate world. Um, tell me and listeners just... When did you figure out like that this was your calling to help women and couples find this perfect piece of jewelry? Because like you said, you this wasn't like something that you've always been into. So when did you figure this out? So, you know, it was sort of the culmination of a couple different things. I um, always loved jewelry. Um, I'm, I'm sure, you know, maybe you can relate, uh, what's so special about a piece of jewelry is, um, even if you're maybe five pounds over where you normally are, it's still going to fit. Um, so from an accessory Always, standpoint, yes. um, jewelry is very meaningful that way. Um, my grandmother was a um, master gift giver. Um, and so she would come back from her world travels and always came back with something really thoughtful. So um, my personal love language is gift giving and finding something really thoughtful. Um, so that's always been sort of um, something that's very important to me. Um, and I always wanted to work for myself. I come from a very long line of self-employed people, uh, both of my parents, um, one of my brothers, six of my cousins, um, both my grandfathers. Um, so a long line of people who like to kind of call their own shots and, and work for themselves. Um, so that was also sort of just um, deeply kind of baked in and um, around me um, as I was growing up. Um, in terms of this sort of crazy idea for 
can you curate three great options for people to choose from within their budget um, to make buying jewelry feel so much less risky and ideally less stressful? Um, I have a really special necklace uh, locket my dad got me for my 21st birthday, very shortly after my grandmother passed away. And Mm -hmm. I get a million compliments when I wear this. And far and away, the most sort of common uh, comment I get is, I can't tell you what it would mean to me if my dad ever bought me a piece like that, but he would never do that. And I just remember thinking that if you could make people feel like they couldn't get it wrong, that so many more people would kind of take that leap Mm. and buy a great piece of jewelry because when you nail it and when you get it right, to me, it's the most, you know, one of the most meaningful purchases you can make. And there's not really anything frivolous or silly about it. um, If you can really align the right piece with the right person. Yeah, that's really beautiful. And I, and I love that it's, it does, it does take a certain gift to sort of be able to help people make those decisions and let them see what's possible because a lot of people don't even know what's even available. So I love that. That's really special um, that, that you got into that. And how specifically, you know, you know, I know there's lots of pieces to it, but what I find really interesting as someone who doesn't have necessarily like a jewelry background, it wasn't, you know, from when you were little that you're like, I'm going to do this there's a lot of pieces to figure out, right? From educating yourself about the stones to figuring out where you're going to get it manufactured or where do you find these certain pieces. So how did you go about like learning all of these different things to make you this professional that you are? I mean, that's quite a robust amount of information. No, I so appreciate that. You know, I would say probably the most challenging part um, besides, you know, I'm completely self-taught to your point. So like there's that that, uh, education learning curve, um, so much of which I've learned on the job, you know, kind of going project by project. Um, The most challenging part was probably building up those supply side relationships. Um, You know, five years in, I like to say that I can help you source or make almost anything at this point. Um, But along the way, I've had to build a lot of relationships and meet a lot of really talented people. Um, I primarily work with people in the Diamond District here in New York City. Um, So those are diamond dealers, um, um, wholesalers, vintage dealers, uh, colored gemstone specialists, um, bench jewelers, that sort of thing. Um, And so, you know, the jewelry industry is notoriously very insular. Um, They're not very open to outsiders. Um, Most of the people you're going to need are going to be third or fourth generation in the business. Um, So building those relationships and just establishing my credibility was definitely, you know, one of the biggest challenges um, as I've grown the business. But what I've found is, you know, sometimes the cliches are true, which is, you know, if you follow up when you say you're going to follow up and you do what you say you're going to do, you've already distinguished yourself from 99% of Mm. people. Um, So there are times when you've shook someone's hand and you don't feel like going back to your computer that night and writing the follow-up email. But if you've said, I'm going to follow up tonight, then you follow up that night. Um, I've also sort of found that money talks. And so there have been times where just to build a relationship, I'll buy something really small, um, not because I have a client lined up for it or not because, you know, and I don't hold inventory. So it's from a business decision, um, you know, maybe you shouldn't be buying a a small piece, but it just sort of opens up the relationship and builds, again, that little bit of credibility. um, Because otherwise, you know, people think it's, it's inspiring, or they think it's cute, or they think it's a clever idea. But until you have sort of 
transacted and opened up your wallet a little bit, it can be hard to kind of go. So, you know, just buying something every once in a while I have found to be really important as well. Um, and then I think being kind of um, knowing when to act like I'm a bigger business than I am and knowing when to be really humble um, yes. and ask a lot of questions has been, you know, I think it can play to your advantage to, you know, I, I hope this doesn't offend anyone to sometimes bat your eyes and play dumb a little bit. And then there are other times where you got to kind of show your teeth um, yes. and act like there's a whole team behind you at all times. So um, knowing when to uh, switch that on or off or, or sort of toggle your energy has been um, just really fun and, and exciting to kind of figure out. Yeah. I think you said a lot of really important things there for really anyone looking to dive into an industry that feels like could be a reach or is unknown or could be complicated or they're too late into it. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of things you said there that could be applicable to really any industry, uh, and to anyone going through, um, that, you know, inner conversations in our head well, of like, no, this would be too hard, too complicated. I don't know how to do this, right? But by asking questions, getting curious, putting yourself out there um, can really, really, you know, show you a lot. And I love to, I'm very much like you in a lot of the things I have done. I've made three career changes, but all of it has been on the job training. Um, you know, certainly school shows you a little things, but I'm not sure that anything I do, I can say directly related to university or anything like that. Um, so yeah, it's definitely been the school of hard knocks. And I think sometimes for um, people who are looking to do their own thing or want to get into entrepreneurship, I think school can be very, very tempting. Um, but you know, I would also encourage you to do something that puts you out there to feel really vulnerable. Do something where someone needs to pay you money in exchange for goods or services um, because everyone's going to think it, your idea is cute and clever and has potential until you ask them to open up their wallet. Um, mm -hmm. So I really do, you know, I keep coming back to this idea of like, even if it's not high dollar amounts, you need to transact um, just to know what you really have. Um, and this isn't to say that higher education isn't incredibly important because it absolutely is. And, um, and uh, is a huge part of a lot of people's journeys. But um, I think there was a moment about a year or two into my business where um, I took a step back and I realized that as much as I work in jewelry, as much as I'm an owner and entrepreneur, I'm a salesperson because yeah. I sell services. And um, that's, you know, actually very empowering and exciting for me. And I think I come from sort of a um, this more strategic management consulting background. Um, again, lots of frameworks and uh, school and everything else. But in this, you know, it's, I'm a solo entrepreneur. It's just me. Um, and so I'm a salesperson. And I now find that incredibly empowering um, versus I think I used to fight against it a little bit. Yeah. So good. So good. So many great takeaways there. Something that we haven't talked about is that you're a mom. And I have a lot of you know, female mom listeners, um, and, and the clients I work with in my one-on-one -on -one life coaching, you know, container. And I always hate this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway, because, you know, they always say, no one would ever ask a man this question. No one I would ever ask a dad this question, but I'm not coming at it as a point of, 
uh, you know, mom, dad, etc. But I will say the guilt that mother's face versus father's face is a very real thing. And I work with so many women as clients who have immense guilt for going all in on themselves or choosing to chase their dream or um, to do something that others might potentially say could hurt the family if it didn't work out, right? So they know they want something different, but it's the guilt that holds them back. So how did you, if ever, maybe you never felt this way, but how did you decide to um, navigate this as a mom and, and going into entrepreneurship? Absolutely. It's something that I think about quite a lot. Um, you know, when you speak about guilt, my, uh, my younger daughter, Penny, um, is 14 months old. Um, she started daycare at like three and a half, three and a half months old. Um, and you know, I carried a lot of guilt, uh, with me. Uh, my older daughter, Ellie didn't start until she was six months old, but just where I was, uh, personally and in the business, it was time for her to, to go to daycare a little bit earlier. And, um, it was definitely a, a decision that I struggled with a little bit. Um, the thing that I think really drives me forward in some of those moments of self-doubt is I truly believe um, if you want to model, if you want your daughters to be ambitious and empowered um, and confident, then you need to model that for them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think kids are so intuitive and they can pick up when mom is not fully engaged or when mom you know, hasn't gone after something. Um, so I think it's been really cool for my daughters to see how much I love what I do, how proud I am of my work. Um, they both wear like little bracelets and necklaces, which absolutely kills me and delights me. Um, but my older daughter is three and you ask her what mama does and she says, sell diamonds. And, um, you know, it always makes me feel 10 feet tall because um, she's so proud yeah. when she says it and she knows that um, it's something I do because I'm good at it and um, because I really love it. So I think this will be a negotiation until they're 18 and out of the house. Um, I should also say that um, my husband is a true like 50-50 co-parent. And so I feel like I am already ahead of 99% of people because I have someone who's so deep in the trenches with me, who's also, you know, concerned about daycare pickup and a cough and everything else. So I have, um, I feel so lucky to have a true partner in this. Um, But you know, I wonder how you feel. It's not anything that you kind of solve for. I think it's just something that you uh, kind of ride the different waves of feelings, but I'm no stranger to those feelings of guilt by any means. Yeah. You know, I often get asked that too. Like, well, how did you just like decide to do all these things? And, and I feel much like you, like, I think the greatest gift we can give our children is living a fulfilled full life. And I never want to have that like and and they would never want to grow up knowing that you didn't do something because of them, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. no kid wants that. That's like almost like a burden on them. Like, wait, what do you mean? You didn't leave your dreams because you were worried about me, right? So that's that's like putting that on your child, right? That's the way I look at it. And I think that following and feeling happy and fulfilled allows room to be a better a better mother, a better partner, a better friend, a better daughter. Um, because when I am not 
in work mode, I am happy and joyful and feeling like, you know, I'm, I'm walking in the path I should. And not to say there's not hard days, not to say there's days I don't feel guilt because yes, we are not immune to those feelings, but I so resonate with what you're saying because it definitely, um, you know, we do go through those waves of emotion. So I totally get that. No, I, 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 I totally agree. And, um, I think, uh, I, I was so curious to see kind of like what my daughter's relationship with work and balance and everything else is. I, I think, uh, the conversation is always changing so much and, um, it's just important to kind of model what's important to you. So. Yeah. So you've talked a lot about some of your like natural, um, talents, strengths, some of which you said, you know, are selling and being able to kind of figure things out and know how to read the room and and when you need to act a certain way. So how has like really leaning into your, um, how has like, how have you learned to sort of lean into your talents and to trust yourself? Because I think the big thing I'm asking here is, is really the trust factor because, a lot of us have great ideas, right? But trusting ourselves to follow through on them can be the sticky part. So what was it that you sort of clung to to trust yourself to make this leap? Um, absolutely. So, you know, a couple things come to mind. I think, you know, particularly during the early days when I didn't have as established of a client base, um, during those sort of sad, lonely days where you're wondering if a call is going to come through, I could always sort of look myself dead in the eye in the mirror and know that I'm very good at this one strange, very esoteric skill of helping people select jewelry as a gift for another person. Um, I really Mm. do feel like um, if you come to, you know, I can't convince you to buy a piece of jewelry. I can only convince you that if you're ready to buy something fantastic, working with me is the best way to do so. Um, So, it gives me um, a lot of confidence, particularly on the more challenging days, that I think I have a unique skill set and that I found a business that can really tap into that skill set. Um, so just feeling like um, I have sort of a competitive advantage is um, is very empowering for me. Um, and in terms of you know finding the confidence, I, I listened to a definition of confidence recently that just made a lot of sense to me. It was, it's not the absence of fear by any means. It's just knowing that you can withstand the outcomes of everything you face and everything you pursue. Um, Mm. And so I think that goes hand in hand with rejection, which is you can put yourself out there and feel very vulnerable, but say, no matter what happens, I know that I can withstand the emotional outcomes of everything I face. So, you know, I can handle it if somebody says no, I can handle it if I look a little silly, I can handle it um, if this doesn't go right. Um, it doesn't mean that it doesn't sting or, you know, I won't replay that moment later, but I can handle the outcome it is, yeah. um, I, th- I think what pushes forward. Oh, that's really, really good. And I love and, and feel inspired by like your unapologeticness to talk about your strengths because we all should be doing that more, you know, um, I love that you use the word also competitive advantage because all of us have a competitive advantage, right? Because we are all only 
ourselves. There's no one else like us, right? So truly the competitive advantage you have is being yourself and leaning into those gifts. And, um, you know, you just gave such a great reminder to listeners to get to know who you are and what your strengths are and play into that and be strong and confident about those things that you have because truly nobody else does, right? Like we all have our own ways of doing that. Completely. And there's always a little bit of that fake it till you make it uh, component of things, which I'm sure, you know, you've talked about extensively on the podcast before. Um, Something else I heard recently that um, I loved and connect with uh, was this idea of never complain and never explain. And I think Mm. the never explaining part is something I'm really looking forward to leaning into. Um, I particularly would you know, with my clients, I want to make everything work and I want to stretch a budget every, every which way that I can. But there are certain times where it's just not going to work for a variety of reasons. And so, um, explaining to the extent it's helpful, but also not apologizing for things that are outside of my control. And then on the complaining side as well, having the agency and feeling like you're in the driver's seat to, um, take accountability for certain things. And, and also, um, take a few things on the chin um, and keep it, keep it moving. Um, so never yeah. complain, never yeah. explain um, has been sort of my newest mantra uh, that uh, I'm, you know, candidly still testing out, but um, you know, I, I think is really powerful. Totally. And I think that if, you know, listeners can walk away with run one thing, it would be that uh, no need to complain or explain because ain't that the truth. I mean, it's when we it's when we do those things that it should be like little red flags, like why are we feeling the need? So we've talked a little bit about your story and about how you got into this and you've dropped some really inspirational words, but now let's talk about the shiny stuff. Let's talk about the diamonds and all the things. So I know this is a broad question, but what are some key things um, to look for when shopping for a piece like a milestone jewelry piece? Um, My sort of best piece of advice for shopping for whether it's a diamond or to your point, a major milestone piece of jewelry is find someone you really trust to work with and then be forthcoming about your budget. I think a lot of times, particularly when it comes to fine jewelry, people have their guard up and they think that um, if I, if I tell you my max is $5, you're going to show me something that's $10. So they know, so they'll tell you that their max is $3. So I think if you can find someone that you really trust to work with and share your true budget, what they're going to want to do is show you something that might've been just outside your budget, but they'll, you know, they'll squeak it in because they want to make you happy or they can think of different ways to, you know, optimize for value here so that you can get something bigger. If you can really lay all your cards out, um, I think you're, you know, 10 out of 10 times you end up with something better value because everybody is on the same team and working towards the same goal of making you very happy. Um, If it's an engagement ring, a very talented jeweler is going to want to sell you not just the engagement ring, but your wedding band and your five-year anniversary and the birth of a new baby gift. And so they're going to do everything they can to um, make a client and not just make a sale. So um, it behooves everybody to, you know, view their, their trusted jeweler as part of their team. I think if you start the relationship off in sort of this adversarial place where, um, 
you know, everybody feels a little bit guarded and, and, you know, I don't find that the best purchases are kind of made that way. So to the extent you can think long and hard about your budget, what you're comfortable with and share that budget, you're always going to end up with something sort of bigger and and better value. Um, I think the other thing, um, particularly when shopping for a diamond, um, whether that be for a pendant or an engagement ring, um, diamonds in and of themselves are optical illusions. And so, you know, the certificate of the diamond only tells part of the story. And so to the extent you can see something in person or again, work with someone you you really trust remotely, it's really important. Um, I I don't like to recommend people buying diamonds offline, um, pardon me, online, because um, the certificate really just tells half of the story. Um, And I think that there are a lot of different ways that you can candidly make a bad buy if you don't know what you're looking for or if you're not working with someone that you trust. Yeah, those are amazing pieces of, of advice that I never would have even thought of, but it makes so much sense when you say having an open, you know, relationship with being forthcoming because I definitely have been in that position before buying fine jewelry and I'm probably guilty of that feeling like it's it's almost like making any big purchase, right? Like a house or anything where you're like, okay, I know we would really be willing to spend 10, but I'm going to say eight and maybe we'll get it for six. You know what I mean? So it's like you kind of play these mind games, but I totally see like we're get that we're all on the same team and be like open about it would be really, really key for sure. You know, in that exact exact example you use, he might have something that's, you know, 10.2 that you would love and he'll sneak it in at 9.9 because he wants to make you happy. But again, if you're playing games and say that your number is eight, he's going to feel like the 10.1 is just too far out of budget. So let's not even bring it up. Um, Totally. Totally. You know, that's mostly, as I said, working with a diamond dealer, but I think for other really major investments, um, you know, there's some truth there as well. Yeah. Ugh, I love that. I love that. Something else that you shared when we spoke, you know, a few weeks ago prior to today, I thought it was fascinating that you told me about the trend of women's, women purchasing jewelry for themselves. Tell me a little bit more about that and like what you're seeing um, with women wanting to purchase jewelry for themselves. Absolutely. So um, of all the services I offer, the fastest growing category of buyers is um, what I call self-purchases. So women buying something really special for themselves. It's so empowering to buy yourself a piece of jewelry if that's something that you've never done before. Um, So a lot of my clients are maybe just had a major promotion at work and they want to mark a moment that way, or they've got a big birthday coming up and they've decided they're not waiting for anybody to, to get them the diamond says that they've wanted for a long time. Um, And so those are really fun and and really empowering purchases. Um, You can imagine the process is quite different um, working with a woman buying for herself versus working with, you, you know, maybe a man buying for, his spouse. I always say that the worst thing I could do would be to show him more than three options versus with women. I feel like we got to do a mood board before we can even set a direction. Um, so it's a very <laughs> totally. different sale um, and very different experience. Um, but it's, uh, it's so exciting for me because um, I love not only delivering on what you ask for, but also working together to get to know your style over time and um, 
And if you start off very, very classic and conservative, maybe we can push you a little bit to go outside your comfort zone. Um, you know, I think it's it's been fun to not only deliver on exactly what people ask for, but show them things that maybe they wouldn't have expected for themselves. Um, mm. And in that part of the business, you know, I, I sometimes will feel more almost like a jewelry stylist because I'm showing you things that I think could work really well. Um, and it's up to you to see kind of how it can fit into your lifestyle or um, or fit into your collection. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I think that, um, you know, I bought myself, I, I wear my Cartier love bracelet and I, you know, everyone's like, you have to wait for somebody else to give you the love bracelet. And I'm like, uh, why, why, <laughs> you know, and that was a big purchase for me. And it was something that I marked a milestone in my life of, um, changing careers and, it was one of those things that it's a constant reminder of like believing in myself and it's okay to make big decisions. And, um, I'm so thrilled to hear that this is a big growing category for you and, you know, women wanting to, you know, even if they're with someone not wait around or feel like they have to, uh, ask permission. It's more of like, wanting to do something really special for yourself. So I think that's very cool. And just picture the the beautiful red Cartier box in your <sighs> in your closet or your jewelry box too. So that really tops everything off. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of things I share with my daughter because she just loves getting into all my stuff, but my red Cartier box is mine. <laughs> you know, it's like she's like, "Can I have this?" I'm like, no, there's a lot of things I'll say, fine, you could borrow. Just not that, not that. <laughs> um, so tell me too that um, I'd love to know like a story from you. What's one of the favorite stories, memories, or pieces of jewelry that you've had the pleasure to help design or create? I just always think these are fun to hear. Um. The first thing that comes to mind is I helped my brother make a very special custom engagement ring for my future sister-in-law. Um, and that oh, was, so good. that was fun from start to finish for so many reasons. Um, my, he's my older brother who I look up to in so many ways and for him to sort of see me uh, doing what I do um, and, you know, finally big brother looking to sister um, for a little bit of expertise was um, such a cool moment for me. Ah, oh, I love that. That is such a great story and kind of comes full circle. That's really special. Thank you for sharing that. Is there anything else that you can think of that you want to share with listeners, whether it's about diamonds, jewelry, business, motherhood, life, anything that you want to leave us with? Um, yeah, absolutely. I would say, um, you know, I love what we talked about a little bit around this idea of of confidence and, you know, true confidence is really just listening to yourself. And I think knowing, knowing when to listen, binge listen to podcasts and knowing when to be really quiet with yourself. I think there's this mix of, you know, I've been doing a lot of self-improvement as well and, and taking in some amazing inputs, but I think what I'm really thinking a lot about now is how to, you know, balance the knowledge of everybody else. Um, and then also kind of be in tune and listen to myself. So to the extent you can continue to kind of listen to yourself and, and take bets on yourself, I think the more kind of uh, happy and successful you're going to be. 
Um, and, you know, I'm just so proud and excited to say that five years in, I'm, you know, as excited, if not more excited about the business than I've ever been. And I think that's probably um, just sort of deeply correlated to me feeling like I can um, bet on myself and, and, you know, take a few more risks. Um, so, uh, you know, that's what I wish for, for everybody listening. Um, yeah. And uh, thank you so much. This was so awesome. Yeah, that was such a great um, kind of just ending words there because I do so deeply resonate with that is, you know, no one knows what we need more than ourselves. So being able to get quiet enough to listen is so important, so important. So tell us, um, Kat, where can people find you, connect with you, see your pieces? Because I know you've got a couple different things going on. So what's the best place to get in touch with you? Uh, the best place would be on Instagram and the account is at best kept jewelry. Um, you can also go to the website, which is bestkept.com or shoot me an email at cat at bestkept.com. Um, but if you're looking for something really special to add to your collection for yourself, for a loved one, um, I would so love to help or even, um, you know, just be helpful in any way. Awesome. I love that. And I'm so grateful to have you on here. All of your um, information will be in the show notes for people to easily click and get to. So I am uh, looking forward to hearing takeaways and um, same, you know, if you're listening and you've got questions for Kat, be sure you either uh, DM her on Instagram or comment on, um, you know, our, our show and we would love to be able to connect with you. So thanks again, Kat, for coming on. I loved having you on the podcast today. You are the best bean babe. Thanks for listening to my podcast. If you love this episode, it would mean so much if you would share it with another bean babe or post it on social and tag me at the beam life. So I can tell you, thank you for helping me share the mission. You can also send me a text, yes, a real text, to 323-673-2709 where we can connect outside of the podcast. You can either chat with me one-on-one or just receive the weekly text I send to beam you up throughout your week. Anyways, it's been fun as always and I'm honored to be a part of your journey. Until next time, keep beaming, babe.